0: everybody, you're listening to 15 in 15, a short series of podcasts commissioned by the Association of Contextual Behavioural Science to promote Worldcon 15 coming up this year in Sevilla in Spain. My name's Richard Bennett and I've been interviewing people from across the CBS community who are inputting to this year's World Conference in Seville. Now I agreed to do 10 of these podcasts but there are some people who always find a way of getting invited to the party. So in this, the final 15 in 15 podcast, I caught up with Benji Scherndorf, and we discussed the Matrix and RFT. Who would have known that was going to happen? Now, unfortunately, just like my interview with Mavis and Bob, technology let me down somewhat, and so Benji and I did the best we could, although the quality here isn't as good as it might have been. Anyway, if you want to listen to what Benji had to say about the Matrix and the relevance of RFT to our work, uh, please listen on. So, hi, Benji. not really nice to speak to you this morning?
1: Lovely to speak to you, uh...
0: In terms of the Seville Conference, uh, you're doing a few things, and so I'd like to spend some time talking to you about those. Um, It would be good as a starter, though, just to maybe introduce yourself and uh, tell the listeners who you are and what you do on a day-to-day basis.
1: So I'm Benji Schoendorf, and I'm a uh, clinical psychologist in private practice. I'm a generalist in the sense that I see children, teenagers, adults, and also couples. And another thing that I do is I'm an ACBS peer-reviewed ACT trainer, and I travel the world training people in ACT, and specifically the ACT matrix, and more recently the um, six steps approach to the ACT matrix. And also I write books about ACT. uh, I'm originally from France and now living in uh, Quebec, Canada for the past uh, seven years, and I've been... uh, involved with ACT for the past 10 years actually. I wrote the first uh, self-help book about ACT in uh, French and a uh, number of books
0: about ACT. Okay, so sounds like you live and breathe contextual behavioural science. And uh, so bringing us to the Seville Conference, um, what what is it that your, your contributions are going to be this year?
1: So this year I'm going to be giving a workshop with uh, my partner and colleague Marie-France Bolduc and also my uh, friends Fabiola from Argentina and Michelle Reyes from Mexico about using the ACT matrix for uh, personality disorders. Also, I'll be uh, speaking at a panel on using IFT for ACT, DBT, and
0: FAB. Okay, in terms of this podcast then, with with regard to those two contributions that you're making, where do you think would be the best place for us to start? Which would be the most useful thing for us to, to use as our starting point? I think we
1: could start with the uh, workshop.
0: Okay now I'm going to declare an interest because I came to your workshop uh, in Berlin there was you and and uh, a couple of the other guys you mentioned there and and Tim as well And uh, that was, uh, I think, more or less an afternoon where you ran through the matrix and you particularly talked about the the RFT side of things. So how's this one going to be different? So this one is
1: really going to be uh, focused on a research project that our friends in Mexico at the Ramon Fuente Clinic for Borderline Personality Disorder in Mexico City have been running. And they've been doing this really interesting research in using ACT and also ACT with the matrix for borderline personality disorder over a number of years and they've they've come up with uh, extremely interesting results. So to to give you a little bit of background, I'm passionate about ACT as you said earlier and really started working with the ACT matrix pretty much on the week that uh, Kevin Polk came up with it back in June 2009 and over the years I've been using the ACT matrix to integrate the uh, therapeutic relationship focused approach of functional uh, analytic psychotherapy and also some uh, compassion and self-compassion focused work and the result of of that has been evolution of uh, what I call the six steps approach to the ACT matrix which is really a kind of six sessions or at least six steps going through Uh, ACT processes and also, you know, keeping this focus on the uh, therapeutic relationship and uh, Compassion which doesn't necessarily go through the whole, at least not explicitly the whole six processes of the exaflex but really does most of your ACT work and uh, so the the story is pretty much when I came up with the six steps, I gave this three-day workshop in Mexico the folks there who were already researching uh, ACT for BPD as compared with uh, DBT, because they are a clinic where they are really good at um, dialectical behavioral therapy. They've been uh, trained, uh, at least by Marshall Einan and others. So, And they started comparing using a more traditional ACT protocol with DBT with some pretty good results, some, some equivalent results, but somewhat faster with um, with ACT, and when I showed them the six steps approach to the matrix, they just uh, ran with it, very close to the six steps, except it's group plus individual support, so the kind of DBT way of delivering. They're running this a number of times, and now we have a, we have a paper with them that we are submitting, which shows that using the six steps approach to the ACT matrix may actually be more effective than. So that's that's super exciting for me because it's easier to also train people in the act matrix.
0: Okay, so this sounds like an interesting development because I, I guess a lot of people, when they think about um, working with someone who's had a diagnosis of borderline personality disorders, they're straight away going to think about DBT. Um, so you're suggesting that that the act might provide a useful alternative, and did you say something about it? The results suggesting it was a little quicker
1: yes so so the first the first study they ran was a comparison of thirty six weeks of Dbt type treatment. they called it uh, dbt informed treatment, but again, knowing that they're very good at delivering Dbt versus eighteen weeks of act and what they what they were able to see is that they got the same results in terms of reduction in um, borderline symptoms, in terms of um, improvements in emotion regulation, in terms of improvement in sense of self-stability, in terms of improvement in mindfulness abilities and also in terms of improvement in uh, psychological flexibility. Next step they, they took was to compare this act treatment, which is based on the protocol from Jane Morton in Australia, with the uh, act matrix treatment. If you like. So uh, act augmented with the matrix, which so far as I know, is the first time there's ever been a comparison between the traditional way of delivering act and the, uh, the matrix way of delivering act. And what they found now using is that they got uh, better results with uh, large effect sizes difference differences on many measures using the ACT matrix.
0: Were the two conditions there, were they of a similar duration?
1: They were of a similar duration, so they were uh, 18 weeks each, and uh, one interesting aspect of the uh, Matrix protocol is that the first nine weeks were really delivering the six steps as they are as they are outlined in, in our latest book, the Essential Guide to Black Matrix, and then the next nine weeks were using again the Matrix but to deliver a much more um, fab-focused kind of treatment. And here, what they noticed is they had very large increases in um, intimacy after the. Uh, after the fat, if you like, the fat-inspired part of the treatment, which didn't show up so much in the first part of the treatment, where it was more a reduction in symptoms, in uh, emotion dysregulation, and stability of sense of self. So that's also really exciting because we know that people, you know, meeting criteria for borderline personality disorder often have uh, struggled a lot with, Intimate relating
0: with relationships in general. Mm, it's, it's fascinating. One of the things that, that's going through my mind as we speak is that, as I suppose, is, might we term this a conflict or maybe just an interesting question? That I guess when you think about um, people with that diagnosis, you, you're tending to think of long term, you know, chronicity, those kinds of issues. And, and when I think about the matrix, what goes through my head is, is efficiency and, and quick. Um, I just wondered if you had anything to say about the, the sort of the, how those two things might rub up against each other.
1: It's a fascinating question, really, because as I said, you know, we didn't develop these six steps to treat particularly difficult populations or people meeting criteria for uh, BPD, which is in no way my personal uh, area of specialization. Maybe one of the things uh, that's happening is when you're work- working with the matrix, you can use it at any level of depth. That you care to use it at, so people can really iterate for themselves how deep they go. So at first they may do, you know, what we call the sorting on the matrix, just sorting behaviors as either to move towards when what is important or to move away from what they don't want to feel you or know, think, or sorting the experiences between five senses experience or inner or mental experience in a very kind of um, surfacey, you know, superficial looking way. But as they do that, they're getting the uh, they're getting really the functional contextualist point of view, they're getting the algorithm and then they can go as deep as as they care to go. And maybe that's you know, that accounts for the fact that using the matrix serves as a tool for regulating emotion in a way. And we know, you know, for BPD treatment that until you can regulate your emotions, until you can sort of, you know, stay in the room going to be really hard for you to make any kind of progress, so maybe that aspect of the matrix in which you can really take control of how far you go and how deep you go is helpful.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's perhaps a tool that gives you access to certain processes and, and, a, and a perspective for looking at them, but how, how you calibrate that I guess is up to you.
1: That's, that's absolutely right. And, you know we have this, uh, in step four of the six steps, we have this exercise we call Verbal Aikido, which is basically a worksheet with questions pointing at different aspects of the matrix and it's always um, a wonder to me how people can go extremely deep emotionally just by answering these questions, you know, like when you ask a question like but who or what is important to you in being able to um, behave like the person you want to be in this particular situation some, very deep, some very, uh, strong
0: emotional content. Yeah, so, so, the workshop's going to cover all of that. Um, so, one of the things that always appealed to me about the Matrix was uh, the way that you could easily apply RFT to it. And you, could, you could help people kind of understand how, how the science and the art mix together and, and in, an, in an easy um, visual way as well. With the matrix and so you mentioned your panel discussion is 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 more towards the rft angle of things is that right
1: in an interesting sense the matrix is IFT based mm-hmm. and once you start using the matrix you don't run into the problems of trying to reframe the different processes of the exaflex in I in rft terms but you know i've got i've got i think uh somewhat peculiar perspective with respect to using rft in clinical practice i think rft is incredibly important it really is at the heart and of everything that we do and at the same time sometimes i think of it a little bit like the uh, programming language that's inside of our computers you know, c plus or c plus plus or something like this and there is a need for us to um create the kind of IOSs of, uh, of ACT and of uh, clinical IFT in a way, you know, like my, my passion is putting this psychological flexibility into drinking water somehow, and the way we're going to do that, of course, is not by uh, teaching IFT to the mas- masses in the same way as we're not, you know, we're not expecting people to know how to program in C++ to use their iPhones or their... My vision is we have to do it in such a way that it becomes super simple both for the uh, client but also for the clinician because I'm always uh, thinking I was inspired and also uh, shocked by uh, by this thing that Kelly Wilson says and he says, you know, if it takes eight years of study to help people get unstuck then there is no hope for humanity. So I want RFT to help us create ways of delivering this stuff which can be easy, you know, that plants can get easily and also that people with delivery can get easily.
0: In terms of the panel discussion, that's, that's more the focus of that then. So how will RFT help us? Um, how can we translate the science into the art going forward across the different... Um, Different therapeutic modalities within CBS.
1: Well, that would be my. That would certainly be my own personal angle on it. Right. And uh,
0: yeah, that's the one thing about a panel, you, you never quite know what the other people are going to say. And just to round us off, um, so we're all we're all off off to Seville. And is there anything you'd like to say about Spain and and um, maybe the people of Spain, either from a from a professional or a personal um, standpoint?
1: Yeah, well, I've, uh, I'm French, so I've been to Spain quite a few times. I actually uh, lived for a few years in southwestern Portugal, so I used to uh, go to Spain quite a lot and to Sevilla as well. And also Spain has a very special place in my heart because the first time I went to, um, I met Steves and went to a workshop with Steve's was in the Barcelona World Congress of uh, CBT in 2007.
0: Okay, well I'll look forward to seeing you there. So the traditional sign off is uh, Nos Vemos in Sevilla. We will see each other again in Seville.
1: Nós temos uma c'est